I'm still struggling to sort out the news from last week about the Pope's comment in a new documentary about his life. There were two sentences in the film where the Pope is heard saying that, I quote, homosexuals have a right to be part of the family. What we have to create is a civil union law. That way, they are legally covered. I stood up for that. End of quote. While this statement in no way goes against church doctrine, and you could even argue that depending on what the Pope really meant, it's not even a departure from Catholic teaching, it is confusing. Now, the Pope also did not say this as a public statement, exercising his office as Supreme Pontiff. He said it in an interview that, apparently, was heavily edited. Apparently, the statement came from two sources from years back, and it was pieced together. However, no clarification has been released by the Vatican, which has added to the confusion and the frustration. This means that those of us who do not know exactly what the Pope said, why he said it, what he meant when he said it, and what was edited out, have to try to explain what we think he meant. And I don't think I can do that. All I can do is remind you what the church teaching is on the matter. That, I think, is clear. I am also comforted by the fact that Jesus also said things that were not clear and that we're still trying to interpret 2,000 years later. He spoke in parables, after all. And, as anyone who has tried to discern God's will in their lives can attest, the Holy Spirit doesn't always communicate with clarity either. May the Holy Spirit continue to guide the church. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello, and welcome to an all-new Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. I am Billy Chan. And uh, we're here again on an all-new Salt and Light Hour. Happy to have our, our listeners joining us as they do every weekend. Um, yes. Billy, I think it's always important to remind our listeners that, uh, they, that I mean, um, they can listen to this program, obviously, on the, on the Catholic channel if they're in their cars on Sirius XM radio, but also you can podcast the show. And we want people to subscribe to our podcast and to give us lots of good star- lots of stars, right, Billy? Yes, please rate us. I mean, you know, if you think that we are good, so just... <laughs> Don't be like shy to put five yeah. stars. Um, Very um, and, and if people don't like that, but they want to email us, they can email me. You can reach me via email, pedro at saltandlighttv.org. You can uh, reach me at uh, uh, Facebook, Twitter, at Deacon Pedro, yes. Instagram as well. Um, Billy, October 31st, Halloween. Are you going to yeah. be wearing a mask? <laughs> <laughs> You know, um, our government already asked us to not doing anything. Don't right. go out to do trick and treat. And you know, um, I, when I, I hope, heard about I hope this, that you, I hope that you don't go out trick or treating, Billy. You're too. No, old. I won't. I have. I haven't been doing that for a while. <laughs> but you know, when I heard about the announcement and notice about that, I was worried about those old people who are alone at home. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of them they are really looking forward. It's not going out to get candies, yes. but it's to to get, see yes. all the kids around the, the, yeah. the, the community. Yeah, you're right. And I'm not old and lonely, but <laughs> I, I, I like that part of Halloween. I like, especially yeah. when it's not too cold outside and you can yeah. see all the children and the families going, going out and, and it's very fun. Um, anyway, but uh, we can still celebrate All Saints Day. Yes. And 
and and uh, All Souls on Monday. So maybe that's what we need to be uh, focusing on, Billy. Your favorite saint, All Saints Day. Um, in fact, today we're going <laughs> to be talking. We're going to be talking about saints in a little bit. I'm going to tell you a little bit, but first I want to tell you that Danny Torquia. Uh-huh. Remember that Danny used to have a uh, a segment on this show yes. called Media Ministry Minutes. He yes. uh, giving tips, marketing tips, uh, publicity, public relations tips, communication tips, uh-huh. um, and Danny's going to be back. We're we're bringing back um, nice. Ministry Minutes. So so Danny's going to be with us today. With uh, he's calling his new series Rearing Rebels. Mm. hearing rebels so i guess that's rebels in communication i, I don't know uh we'll, we'll learn that from danny uh very soon that's going to be you have to ask him yeah that's going to be uh just after the song actually so uh, tips for catholics in communications uh that's that's coming right up and then billy you have you have a more question questions. more questions about deacons you know this question will be very serious it's all about church it's all it's always about church anyway <laughs> but it's <laughs> but this is a very controversial so please stay oh, tuned oh, you're gonna It'll be a, a very controversial, controversial okay enough question. controversy we've had enough controversy in the church <laughs> these weeks no more controversy anyway so that's after media ministry minutes uh, is church for dummies and then yes. billy so in the second half this is what i wanted to tell you we're going to talk about saints as you know father michael mcgivney was beatified today october 31st he's the founder of the knights of columbus yes um and for someone to be beatified they have there has to be a miracle so yes, right. in our second half hour we're going to be meeting daniel and michelle shackle they are the parents of the little boy who was cured through the intercession oh, of Father Michael McGivney. Yes, they're going to be on the wow. program with us today. So, so that's Daniel and Michelle Shackle, the parents of Michael Shackle, who, who was healed uh, through the intercession of Father Michael McGivney. And so that's, that's very exciting. It's, it's happening wow. uh, in about 25 minutes. So, so I hope people can uh, stay tuned. And then, yeah, yeah. Uh, Billy, we're going to have, we have a new artist this uh, weekend. It's, in fact, it's what? a whole family. And, and oh, I think okay. you're familiar with them because they did a hymns from home for us. Uh, uh-huh. it's, it's a group called Rhythm and Grace, uh-huh. the, the Duquetto family. Um, yeah. They do what they call uh, something that's called Celtic gospel. Um, so there's lots of fiddle, fiddles and step dancing. Um, and so we're going to be speaking with Alex Duquetto. He's their dad. Um, and maybe yeah. one of the kids, because they have nine kids. So maybe one of the kids are going to be with, with Alex uh, for our conversation today. So that's at the end of the program today. So that's Rhythm and Grace coming up. Um, and I guess a reminder, if you're, people cannot listen to the whole show, or if they want to listen to it again, Billy, they just have to go to our website, saltandlighttv.org slash podcast. Or as Billy keeps reminding us, subscribe to the Salt and Light Hour wherever you get your podcasts, right? Please subscribe and give us stars. And give us stars. So let's start with a song, Billy. Here is, is Rhythm, Rhythm and Grace with their uh-huh. song, Because He Loves Me. Oh, oh, oh. 
That was Rhythm and Grace with Because He Loves Me. And the lead singer there was Rachel, who's only 13 years old. And we're going to be speaking with Alex Duquero of Rhythm and Grace in our second half hour. But now it's time for Media Ministry Minutes with Danny Torquia. Danny, I'm so glad that, uh, that you're back, that we're doing another season, a, a new little series with you that... Uh, I guess, I mean, I'm calling it Media Ministry Minutes, but you want to do a, a new little series called Rearing Rebels. Explain yeah, that to me. Well, I'm, I'm so happy to be back, but I was thinking of, you know, we talked about PR and all the intricacies and amazing elements behind communications in our world. But I got to tell you, as a PR professional and a PR addict for, for so many years, I got to tell you that it, it, a lot of the skills that you learn in the field of PR and persuasive communications are, are very relevant to being a um, fully aware um, consumer and citizen of our ca- very consumer-oriented world. Okay. And it's really good to bring it home in the family. It's helped me a lot. So everything you learn about parenting, you learned in public relations, basically. Well, I wouldn't say everything, but, <laughs> but there, there are, you know, that's why I thought that rearing rebels is, is very good because, I mean, I know as a kid, I was always interested in, in, in rebellion in a good way and being very idealistic. And so I thought that for the first episode or for the first conversation, we would talk about one principle that I knew right away would, would, would work at home, which is the rule of seven. Okay. Okay. The rule of seven. I have heard about that, um, but you're going to remind us. So what is the rule of seven? 
Well, early on when I was studying marketing, I, I, I was reminded by a professor that, you know, omni-channel marketing or integrated communications uh, and the marketing mix, these are all uh, words and, and, and sub-disciplines of marketing principles that allow the marketer to reach the consumer at a high frequency mm-hmm. so that the consumer can recall the, uh, the value proposition of the brand, the attributes of the brand, where to buy the brand, when to consume the brand. So the, the goal of, or the principle of the rule of seven is if you want someone to change, if you want to change someone's behavior or leave an impression in their mind, you got to reach them at least seven times, ideally through multiple channels. Okay. Okay. So that's so that, why, that's why, go ahead. No, as you can say, okay, so that's, that's pretty clear with marketing. And maybe that's a lesson if anybody's listening and their communications specialist for their parish or for their Catholic organization or anywhere, um, if you didn't know about the rule of seven. So seven times, um, but you want to apply this to, to, your, to your four children, I Danny Torky. I know. I, I, and, and remember, in marketing, it means you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna connect with the consumer through direct email, through maybe mail solicitations, uh-huh. through uh, advertising, sometimes through out-of-home transit or billboards or your church sign on your property, as well as uh, journalism or media relations. But at home, so how does it translate to at home? Well, knowing that the kids, <clears throat> our kids, your kids, someone's kids mm-hmm. are listening and receiving a bombardment of marketing and consume me, consume me messages. Mm-hmm. Um, I decided to fight fire with fire and at least have a ba- counterweight to the, the, the culture. Right. So what we, so this is simple things that we all might do or might neglect to do sometimes, which is stuff like start with your day with a morning prayer. You know, that's one uh-huh. touch point uh-huh. with your kids. Then make sure you do a, a blessing or make sure you do grace before meals. Make sure you read the lives of the saints, perhaps buy a poster. I remember early on, we bought a poster of the Beatitudes and we made sure that, you know, growing up, I had posters of Kirby Puckett or, or Jose Canseco or different players in baseball, <laughs> Wade Boggs, but you got to make sure why not St. Therese of, of Lisieux or why not uh, yeah. Pierre Giorgio Frassati. Um, and then the list goes on, you know, prayer before bedtime, um, reading books that you've intentionally purchased that will um, attract the kids let alone watching Salt and Light, listening to Catholic or Christian radio. Mm-hmm. So I found with my, my wife that, you know, it, you could easily hit the number of seven um, in a day if you wanted to, okay. uh, or at least every two days. And at least you have a chance at conveying to your kids some of these important things that are key to the transmission of the faith. Okay. So you're saying that, and this is a very general conveying of the faith, seven times a day or, or seven times over a period of two days where you're consistently doing something that is reminding them or teaching them or something about the faith. Would you say that if, if there was a particular message, like if you wanted to teach them something about, I don't know, uh, a moral teaching that you would then convey that, that particular message seven times through different means? Well, you know, it depends where your kids are in their life. You know, I mean, we, we have a child who's going into the teenage years. So we're yeah. definitely making an effort to speak about, you know, the birds and the bees and teenage transition into adulthood, but, yeah. but through multiple medium uh-huh. uh, or media. Yeah. Um, but I, I would say at the end of the day, the church gives us, um, you know, saints of the day. The, the church gives us the readings of the day. Mm-hmm. Of course, you, we should prepare for the Sunday, you know, weekly readings. Yep. Um, so there, there, and then there's music, right? And there's art and there's culture 
through right. the church and the different uh, organizations, you know, entities of the church. So there's a lot to pick from. I think it's like a buffet, right? There's no shortage of Catholic resources. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we're on Salt and Light Hour now, and 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 you have so many resources. You got to find your, you know, your go-to resources, and it could be your diocese or your parish. Right. Um, but at the end of the day, find what those are and and apply them seven times a day. But there's nothing wrong with the the traditional um, teaching moments of grace. Um, yeah. But you might want to vary it up instead of, instead of a specific grace formula every single time, maybe challenge your kids to get involved and they can ad lib a, a new, uh, you know, uh, grace from, from the Holy Spirit or from what they've learned at uh, what yeah. they've researched themselves. Yeah, for sure. No, this is, this is really good. I, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued, but I, I love, I love the, 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 it means that as parents, we become intentional with how we're teaching the faith. And I think that that's, that's maybe uh, for me, the biggest takeaway of what you're saying. Um, so I'm excited about this new series, Rearing yeah. Rebels by preaching to them seven times a day. Absolutely. Well, you're <laughs> right about being intentional because once you know the omni-channel approach of a consumer-driven society, once you know that it's reaching your kids through radio, through social media, through games, through, through all, all the smartphones, yeah. and of course the walk in the malls and the streets, then you realize, why don't I use the, those skills and those techniques yep. for a good cause? Absolutely. Okay, we're going to leave it there. Um, but you'll be back in a month from now to give us some more tips, some more Rearing Rebels uh, Media Ministry Minute tips. <laughs> yeah, we've got some okay. lined up, so we'll see what's next for episode two. Absolutely. Okay, well, good. Thank you, Danny. Great to Thank see you. Thank you very much. Likewise. Danny Torquia, he's our public relations expert, and he is also the managing director of Torquia Communications. You can follow him on Twitter at Dan Torquia. Hey, I'm Sarah Kroger, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro. You can send me an email, pedro at saltandlighttv.org, to let me know what you think of the show. And now it's time for... Church for Dummies with Billy Chan, who has more questions about the diaconate. Yes, yes. Um, I hope this will wrap up the, everything okay. about Deacon. Yes. Um, so I think everyone really waiting for this episode because I think everyone is really want me to ask this question, which no. is Uh-oh. why why we only see men, male, as a deacon. Okay, Why? so yeah, and, and our listeners maybe will remember that a few years ago, there was a little bit of a, not controversy, but this topic came out. And in fact, I wrote about it. And if people mm-hmm. want the full answer, go to our blog, saltandlighttv.org um, slash blog, look for Deconstructing Deacons. There's a whole series there. And I do talk about the female diaconate. Um, uh, the short answer, Billy, is that uh, deacons are ordained. So there's an ordination. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's, there are three orders when you ordain people. So the diaconate, the presbyterate, mm-hmm. so that's priests, and the episcopate, those are bishops. It's the same ordination is just given in three orders, three levels. Um, and the church does not have the authority to ordain women. Um, so the, the, oh. that's, that's the short answer. So ordination okay. is, is reserved for men. Um, if people, so in the beginning of the church, there's never a female deacon? Uh, in the beginning of the church, uh, th- we're not sure. 
There, okay. there, there, there are questions regarding that. There are some people that will say that, yes, we know for sure that women were ordained to the diaconate. St. Paul, in one of his letters, refers to someone as a, as a deaconess. But again, mm-hmm. it's in translation. So does he, he, does he say, I think he refers to her as a deacon with, in the male deacon, as a, not a woman deacon, sorry, a woman deacon instead of a deaconess. Um, mm-hmm. But we don't know if he's using the word deacon to mean the order of deacons, or is he using the word to mean what it means, which is a servant or a server, um, so a servant of the church. So, so we're not sure that there, there are other, especially in the Eastern Rites churches, uh, historical records of women that are uh, anointed or, or uh, appointed to something that looks very similar to religious sisters. They were virgins, they were uh, mm. celibate, and, 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 and maybe even cloistered, but they had a very similar role to deacons, but we're not sure what they were. Okay. And there's a lot of controversy, which is why when the Pope um, uh, created the commission to study on the, the history of the female diaconate, they actually came, did not come to any conclusions. And I think mm-hmm. it's because there's not enough evidence to show whether they existed or not. Okay, so basically it is the rules of the church. Not any, there's no anywhere in the, in the Bible saying that there's no female or there is female we do not know yet no but, but we do know it's the, the same the church will say the same thing that it says about ordination to the priesthood that mm. that jesus uh, saw fit to ordain in quotes 12 men and that's why we have a male priesthood and that church does not have the authority to ordain women okay okay that's great that's great that uh, short answer understandable okay so now i am luckily i'm a man okay yes and <laughs> and let's say uh, uh, I want to be a deacon. Is it a job? Is there any interview? Um, 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 is there any well, like, yeah. salary and no. promotion? <laughs> no, and- <laughs> there's no salary. There's no promotion. There is an interview. <laughs> there's, 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 a, there's a lot. Uh, it's a huge process in the same way that any, anybody interested in the priesthood has to go through a long admission process and, and interviews and their psychological testing and all that. And then you have to go to the seminary and to be in oh. formation. Uh, between some places between three and five years of formation wow. to, be, to be in the diaconate. But the program is designed for men who have jobs and families. So obviously it's not a full-time university thing. You, you do it on evenings or weekends um, and, and small groups at home. So it's, it's designed for men who have jobs and who have families. Um, you, you can be a deacon if you are over 35 years old. And if you're married, you have to have been married for at least seven years. That's okay. That I think is the only restrictions that are universal. I'm pretty sure. And uh, there might be an old age restriction. Like if you're already over 75 years old, they probably will not ordain you. Cause. So cause, what if uh, um, your wife is not a Catholic? Is, are you still able to be a deacon? <laughs> and I'm glad you're asking that question. Cause uh, uh, you know, my wife is not a Catholic. Yes. Um, uh, the wife is not the one that's being ordained. It's the man. So as mm-hmm. long as the wife supports the husband and the wife has to support the husband. And in fact, the wife has to give permission. And during the ordination ceremony, there's a, there's a place where the bishop asks the wives to give their consent and they have to agree. So she needs to say, I do again. She has to say, <laughs> she has to give me permission. Yes. And she has to support. And in order, they don't have to be Catholic to do that. There, there are deacons that I know that whose wives are not Catholic or not even Christian actually. Wow, you know, it's not a job and there's no salary and there's no promotion and you still do it. How come? 
Well, we should leave that for, for next week, Billy. I know you wanted to wrap up today, but we can probably leave yes. that for the next weekend because it's not a short answer. Um, <laughs> Obviously. But maybe yeah, this yeah. is this is helping uh, some some people that are listening to the program. And if you're interested in the diaconate, seriously, uh, I'm happy to, to have you reach out to me, uh, social media at Deacon Pedro, or email me, pedro at saltandlighttv.org, yeah, to and, and, and be happy to, to talk to you about the diaconate. Anyway, good questions, Billy. Uh, thank you. Thank you Deacon so much. Pedro. Billy Chan, our webmaster here at saltandlighttv.org. Um, and uh, you can follow him at the Joe Chan. Coming up in our second half hour, the miracle that led to Michael McGivney's beatification, and we meet a musical family, Rhythm and Grace, so stay tuned. Welcome to the Salt and Light Hour, Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. Father Michael McGivney is the founder of the Knights of Columbus, and he was beatified on Saturday, October 31st, 2020. The miracle that led to his beatification is a wonderful and beautiful story that involves a child with Down syndrome in his mother's womb and who is the youngest of 13 children. No one can tell us the story better than his parents. And so... I spoke with Dan and Michelle Shackle earlier this week. Daniel and Michelle Shackle, it's so good to have you with us today. Welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you so much. Great to be here, Deacon. Yeah, so um, uh, of course I want to know the story, and it's such a wonderful story, but first I want to ask you how little Michael is doing. Is he uh, excited about his trip that's coming up? Yeah, I mean, he's as excited as, as he can be being at his age and not really getting the gravity of everything that's going on. But yeah, 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 we're all excited. Yeah. Yes. He keeps saying we're going on a trip in the van and I get to go. So he's very happy. (laughs) That's wonderful. Would he, would he uh, understand? I mean, you said he didn't understand sort of the grasp of the whole situation, but he obviously is familiar with father Michael McGivney. Um, Does Uh he have a sense of that? There's something special happening. Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of videos and interviews and stuff done of him. And when they're turned on in the house, he'll say, I don't want to watch Mikey. I want to watch Paw Patrol. So, <laughs> <laughs> so he knows what's important. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, Michelle, tell us a little bit about how, how this story began when you were pregnant. So we got an ultrasound early, which I usually don't do because of my advanced maternal age Mm -hmm. and um a lot of times they want to do a lot of testing that i just don't really like uh but i had a wonderful midwife um who said michelle just go ahead and have an ultrasound let's just see how everything is and so i said yes and uh it showed a thickness on the back of his neck Mm -hmm. which usually means there's a chromosomal problem And so they said that we needed to have further testing. And so then um, they requested that I have a non-invasive DNA test. And that's actually where they pull the child's DNA out of your blood Mm -hmm. because it's separate, Mm -hmm. you know. And so they pull that out and they're able to tell many things. And I was they kept saying if because that'll give you options and I said well I don't really want it and then they explained to me that he could have spina bifida Mm -hmm. and they could correct that so I Mm -hmm. said of course I want it 
And so let's see, when I was week 13, we found out positively that he had trisomy 21 and that he was a boy. Okay. Yeah. And at that point, what was the prognosis? So it was just, just down syndrome. Yeah. And so then they wanted us to go to a, a high risk clinic okay. uh, here in town. And we went there and um, the doctor said, I'm sorry, your son has a condition called high drops and it's a, and he's very sick with it. Mm -hmm. He has a very bad case. And later I learned that there are different things. When you have high drops, you can, there are children that survive, Mm -hmm. but it's usually for different reasons. Like the mother may have an infection, all of those things. But with a diagnosis of uh, Down syndrome and high drops, the way he had it, it's fatal. And so he had fluid all throughout his body in different body cavities. And Mm -hmm. so she said, um, he won't live. Right. And, uh, she said, you can induce now or you can wait until he dies and induce then, but he will not live. And that's where Daniel chimed in and said, we need a percentage. Mm -hmm. And she said, I'm sorry, Mr. Shackle. Um, there is no chance that he will survive. I've been doing this many years and I've never had a baby this sick survive. This, the chance is zero. Right. But you didn't give up, Daniel. You guys started praying. We didn't give up. Uh, part of our marital struggle during that time was, was me uh, holding on to disbelief at the doctor's diagnosis. Right. right. <laughs> My wife, is. Uh, she calls herself a realist and... <laughs> and me an optimist. And so the whole time I was like, Nope, I'm not accepting this. And, uh, I had, I, it made me kind of angry as a father. I feel like it's my job to protect my children, not to kill them. Yeah, it is. And so I was very angry at the doctor that she had told me to kill my child. And Michelle's much more charitable than I. And she said, well, she's just worried about my health and all of these other things, you know, mm-hmm. and I get it. I get it. But yeah, I mean, my reaction was anger and also, uh, you know, suspension of belief. And I'd even made a comment to Michelle. I don't know who the hell she thinks she is. We've got a trip planned to Fatima. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. So tell me about that trip to Fatima. Well, it was a Knights of Columbus awards trip each year for their, um, people that do well. They have a, a trip to different places. And this was the first time that they'd ever decided to make this trip a pilgrimage. So she had to get a letter from her doctor. We had ultrasound right before we left and everything looked the same as it had. And uh, we went early to Rome. We had a, a, a man from our parish who was studying at the North American College. He was a, a newly ordained priest. He asked us if, if uh, we wanted to have mass in St. Peter's our last day there. He said he'd never done mass there. And we said, absolutely. So that evening was the opening mass for the day of mercy or the year of mercy. Mm-hmm. So as we went in there, they were setting it all up and they assigned us an altar, which was the Our Lady of Prompt Sucker altar on the right hand side, about halfway up the basilica. And that was one that Michelle told me afterwards that the Knights of Columbus had adopted to refurbish several mm-hmm. years before. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then we joined up with the rest of the group in Lisbon. We, uh, 
we went and prayed at St. Anthony's birthplace and all these different places. We made our pilgrimage to Fatima, prayed a rosary at the apparition site. Mm-hmm. Uh, Archbishop Lori was inspired that day to consecrate the Knights of Columbus to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Mm-hmm. And we, we really hadn't told too many people. There were a few that knew, but not too many people on the trip knew what we were mm-hmm. going through. We kind of mm-hmm. hung out in the back of the crowd. We didn't sit up front with all the people coming for miracles or any of that kind of stuff. No. But the reading that day, the gospel reading that we were there, just happened to be uh, the Roman official coming to Jesus and saying, please help my son, and him saying, you're a hard-hearted generation. You have to have signs and wonders to believe. Mm-hmm. So that was a, a pretty heavy moment for us, I think, to actually hear that. Oh, he said, he, after he said that, he said, you may go in peace, your son will live. Right. That's right. The, that's the part of the uh, scripture right. that hit us so strongly. Right, of course. And I never, you know, like I said before, the whole time I was, I didn't believe that he was going to die for some reason. I don't know why, but just extra grace. I don't know, because yeah, it doesn't yeah. make sense that I didn't, honestly. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I just, you know, that was kind of a big affirmation for me hearing that. Yeah. And I think after we heard that, I think we both felt a big sigh of relief or some peace i can't speak for michelle completely but uh, i think when we got back and had the other ultrasound after going through everything we had gone through i wasn't very surprised honestly no michelle i am curious what were you what was going on through your head in fatima so we think completely different (laughs) Um, so um the doctor actually i have to say this there was a chance that I could get something called mirror syndrome uh-huh. and I could die. And so the woman takes on hydrops. So that was part of my worry. Right. Um, and then me being a planner, I had to know where every hospital was in case I did have to go be induced or if the baby started coming early. And uh, his name was Benedict at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, so we were calling him Baby Ben, and I had a dear friend make a a burial gown. They were two different sizes, Mm -hmm. but one even had been embroidered on it. And so um, she told me that he probably wouldn't die while we were in Europe, but he might, but probably not because she said with high drops, when it starts to really take effect, it happens quickly. Mm So the baby will have a certain amount of fluid and then all of a sudden they'll just die in a day or two. So I had all of those things in my mind. And the night that Daniel told Father McGivney, if you will pray for our child, I will name the child after you, Father McGivney. Mm -hmm. And um, I never thought that God couldn't heal him, but I didn't think, I don't think any of my children, I have 18 children all together. And he loves my five children that are not here just as much as he loves mm-hmm. the 13 that are. Of course, of course. And so, and they have different stories. Mm-hmm. And so to me, he could do it, but it didn't, he might not. Right. And so Dan was just adamant that that's how it's going to be. And, and I was a more of a realist. I was like, it might happen. He has right. the ability to do it, but it might not. And so I had to kind of be prepared for both mm-hmm. yeah. in my mind. Yeah. But you did pray. I mean, I know Daniel did pray to, to Father McGivney for his intercession. And we know that God's plan for little Michael was 
was, uh, was, I mean, we know what his plan was uh, through the sure. intercession of Michael McGivney. So um, quickly, can you tell me a little bit of how that sort of miracle approval went to, to get us to where we are now? So that was a long process after he was born. Yeah. And uh, a tribunal was like a court of law. I was mm-hmm. really nervous and I uh, had to get all the medical records together Um you know, we were in a lot of therapies at that time with Michael trying to help him swallow. He has a, a, a problem with swallowing sometimes. And so mm-hmm. that's been a big problem. So he was, you know, so it's kind of a very stressful time for all of us. Um, they just, we had to get all the medical records and all the dates correct. And I put a little book together because I was so worried I would mess up. Right. I mean, God does a miracle. And we gave it to our lady and we were like, this we were consecrated to her so our lady this is yours you know if you want the miracle to happen let it be right mm-hmm. but then there's this human part of you that's like i gotta make sure i have everything correct. well we knew that we knew that it would probably come to this eventually i mean yeah. we weren't of course until the second ultrasound where everything was normal and the doctor was shocked that it was normal Mm-hmm. We hadn't tried to put all the pieces together of our story, you know, mm-hmm. to see all the things that had been developing. But once that happened, we got back, we sat back and started thinking about, well, this happened and then this happened and just all the coincidences lining up. And we thought, man, we've got to write this stuff down or we're going to forget all of this. Right, right. But we, I mean, it's like I told the tribunal, you'll never convince me no matter what the Holy Father says that it wasn't a miracle. So yeah, of course, of course. I mean, we already, we were not surprised that it went all the way through like this, we, something would happen and we would look at each other and say, well, we're probably going to hear some, some news this week, you know, and sure enough, we would hear it's moved this curve, it's moved this hurdle or this hurdle, but yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And, and that's, that's wonderful. Um, so Michael McGivney is being beatified uh, October 31st and, and the miracle that got him there was your son. Um, who lived, he has Down syndrome, but that in itself is probably a gift. Uh, the greatest gift we have ever been given is the gift of Down syndrome. We yeah. were happy. We weren't upset about the Down syndrome diagnosis no. when we got it. We were, we were happy. I mean, yeah. kind of excited really. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, and, and you should be excited. And, and uh, to go back to where we started, I, I know that, Michael is excited too. He's going on a trip and, and maybe, well, of course, as he's older, he'll understand a little better the significance of this. Um, guys, uh, it's been so good meeting you um, and, and getting your story uh, straight, straight from directly from you. Um, I've, I've heard the story and read it uh, already, but, but it's not the same when, when you hear it from you guys, you've, you've, you've been blessed and, and you've gone through a, a great journey and, and the journey maybe is just beginning actually. <laughs> so uh, thank you for sharing it with us today and, and uh, have fun on your uh, little vacation. Thank you, Deacon. Thank you. It was thank such you. a pleasure to talk to you and we hope that this helps <clears throat> others increase their faith as much as it has ours. Amen. Absolutely. And that, that's also a miracle right there. Mm-hmm. Um, so God bless you and uh, God bless Michael and the rest of your children. God bless Thank Deacon. You. Have a good day. Take Father, care. Bye-bye. Pray for us. That was a conversation I had with Daniel and Michelle Shackle earlier this week. Dan and Michelle are the parents of Michael Shackle, the little boy who was healed through the intercession of Father Michael McGivney, the miracle that led to his beatification. 
Michael McGivney was beatified on October 31st, 2020. Here now is Rhythm and Grace with Ocean of Mercy. That was Rhythm and Grace with Ocean of Mercy. Rhythm and Grace is comprised of the Duquettos, a family that loves to create and share music. Mom and Dad are Miriam and Alex, and their nine children are Caleb, Mary Grace, Bethany, Rachel, Madeline, and Monica. Their ages range from 7 to 17 years old. As we have been hearing, they play Celtic-style gospel songs, folk songs, and they also have lively instrumentals with step dancing. But everything they do is an expression of gratitude to the Lord for the gifts of life, family, and faith. And so, I'm very happy to welcome Alex Duquetto to the Salt and Light Hour. Alex, it's so good to see you. Great to see you, Deacon Pedro. Thank you so much for inviting us. Yeah, for sure. And I know with you is your daughter, Bethany. She's uh, one of the... That's right. Yeah. That's right. Welcome, Bethany. Don't want to leave you behind. Um, Thank you. you. Yeah, that's all right. And of course, I mean, we've just explained that Rhythm and Grace is is a family, can I call it a family endeavor? Um, So I'm very happy, Bethany, that you're here with us today because we don't want just your dad talking. Yeah, happy to be here. Yeah. But maybe I'll start with that same question. How did Rhythm and Grace start? Is this something that dad wanted to do and he sort of got all the kids 
you know, involved? Or is this something that now the kids participate in because, because you want to, because you love doing it, Bethany? So we, I mean, we always kind of played music together as a family. I guess it started with just mm -hmm. mom and dad having that love for music. And of course they passed it on to us. And I mean, in the earlier years, I remember mainly dad giving us some, some fiddle lessons a little bit. Um, and we always sang together. Yeah. Um, we would also like sing in our choir at church. So right. that developed. Yeah. And we would get music lessons from uh, different teachers along the way. Yeah. Right. So that, that's how it all started. So it was and then kind eventually of, we, yeah. So I guess, I guess it's, it, there's no point in me asking whether it was a musical household. Um, <laughs> Alex, Alex, was that something that just kind of happened just because it was a musical household or is this an idea that you and your wife just thought, Hey, we should, do something as together as a family. Yeah, it really, it really naturally sort of progressed as the years went by. Um, as the kids took music lessons from some very gifted local teachers, you know, there's a real music culture in our area, and uh, mm -hmm. you know, I would say our whole family was sure inspired by it. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I do love sort of, you know. Uh, creating, doing creative projects. I, I've, I've always enjoyed doing yeah, that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so, um, you know, our, our church started doing St. Patrick's Day dinners, mm -hmm. you know, once a year dinner and entertainment, and it would call upon families from our parish to, mm -hmm. to share a few pieces. And that was, that's how, you know, some really concrete opportunities started to develop as well mm -hmm. as other, yeah. you know, yeah. sharing our music with the Sisters of St. Joseph, um, right. their house in Peterborough and so on. Um, and so that's how it all started. And, and the, this community events um, started to grow in number. Um, and then about uh, four or five years ago, it, it really uh, came to a new level mm -hmm. um, when we had the idea to visit relatives in um, Victoria, on Vancouver Island. Okay. You know, on the other side of the country. Yes. Um, and then Bethany, what happened? How, how, did, uh, how did that all come about? Yeah, well, I think at first we were we were going to try, uh, so we were trying to figure out a way to make it like financially manageable, right? So um, at first my mom was like, oh, we could do just like make it a camping trip. Mm -hmm. But that was obviously going to turn out to be a little bit awkward. So dad had the idea to do like uh, concerts along the way. And then, um, so of course we'd have like the donation box because we weren't yet an established mm -hmm. band. So we would have that and also uh, in exchange for the concert, you know, buttering for uh, accommodations. Right. Um, and so that's kind of how, um, that's when great. we did that trip. Yeah, that's wow. when we had our first sort of tour. And that's so we, wonderful. We did that. I didn't, um, I did not know that yeah, story. Yeah, it was what great. A great idea. Um, and maybe yeah. just a reminder that it's nine children, correct, at this point? Correct. That's, yeah. that's right. That's yeah. Right. That's right. Uh, so we have our 12-seater van and everyone yeah. barreled in and across the country we went. I love it. I love it. So, um, so Alex, when... When did you, because I know you write songs. I don't know if some of the children write music, but so how did that part start? When did you start thinking, oh, we should, we should do our own music or we should start making our own videos, start recording? Even, even before, so I've, I've really enjoyed songwriting really mm -hmm. ever since uh, my friend Billy in grade 10 introduced me to the guitar. <laughs> um, and then, you know, when I met Miriam, her, her faith, my wife, Miriam, mm -hmm. uh, her faith really inspired me 
and and even within our first couple of years of knowing each other i remember writing a song which which we have on one of our cds um you know that really is based on um how i got to know miriam's about miriam's relationship with the lord mm -hmm. um and then uh trying to capture um you know different uh psalms and uh other meaningful aspects of our faith um, trying to capture that in song, you know, uh, mm -hmm. became something that I really enjoyed and, and the children really enjoyed helping with. Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to our songwriting, usually I get the basics of it going, but I'll tell you, uh, the children, you know, all the accents, all the harmonies, the different instrument lines, they just run with it. Right. And I just stand back and just, and, and just, so thankful for their gifts and, and how they can turn you know a song into something really beautiful. For, right. For yeah, it's a team effort enjoy. for sure. Yeah. So Bethany, how yeah. do, what is what is one of what is, what does one of those sessions look like? I can imagine your dad saying, "Hey guys, I got a song," and then there's yeah, yeah. Is it like chaos? Yeah, for is sure. It, what does it look like? <laughs> well, uh, I mean, it depends on the song. Like it has been <laughs> chaos a couple times before. Obviously, <laughs> family life is complicated, but. Um, uh, but normally what it would look like, um, so dad would come up with, like, he'd, he'd have this inspiration for a new, like, melody or a new, uh, like, an idea for one of one of his songs. And so he'd show it to us. Um, often he'd have a little recording that he would have recorded, like, right after he got the idea. And so he'd show it to us. And we'd say, um, oh, that you know, this sounds great. Uh, we could do like this. We could add these instruments to it. We think it could use some harmonies here or throughout the whole thing or that type of thing. Um, and then, I mean, over the course of a couple of weeks, I guess, we would have kind of an idea for, mm -hmm. for what we wanted the song to sound like. So, yeah, and then we'd, of course, we'd sit down and we'd write a couple of instrument parts for it. Um, yeah, so that's something that Mary Grace and I, my older sister and I, we, um, we like taking charge of that. And uh, we find it something we enjoy doing, writing the different parts and filling out the song like that. Yeah, but it, it's a team effort for sure yeah. from everyone. Does anyone, yeah. does, is there anyone else who writes any of the music ever? Well, um, we've had ideas from, from uh, a lot of our siblings before. The younger ones haven't yeah. co contributed that much yet, of course. But uh, also our older brother likes to do that type of thing with us. And um, a couple of my younger sis sisters, um, one of my younger sisters actually has written a couple of fiddle tunes before. Nice. Um, nice. So yeah, they, they all enjoy getting, getting it. Yeah, on it. Yeah, that's great. So let me ask you about the, the fiddle. So you guys, you, you said that you, you describe your music as Celtic gospel. Um, that's right. But I mean, we have song titles like Hay Bales that doesn't really sound like gospel. So is there a distinction between some of the more secular stuff that you do and some of the religious stuff that you do, would you say, Alex? Or would you say that it's all part of the same ministry? Um, I really would say it's all part of the same ministry. Um, mm -hmm. Some are more directly gospel and that, you know, a number of our songs um, could pass, possibly be used as a, as a hymn in, 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 uh, during Mass. Yeah. Um, or at a you know, a, a special retreat kind of occasion, that kind of thing. Um, whereas uh, our more pure folk songs, um, they're kind of where our, our faith is, is living in action, you know, in uh, sort of embracing, embracing the moment, the duty of the moment in, in mm -hmm. the context of our family life and understanding that, uh, you know, when we're loving each other and um, being there for each other, 
we're, you know, we're loving the Lord at the same time, mm-hmm. sort of the duty of the moment. So yes, we really, we certainly don't see them as distinct. And as we share our music across the country, um, we've, we've always found that people really appreciate that variety. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and often our sure. folk songs, you know, they kind of capture a real story, you know, from something yeah. in our family life that's some, something to really be treasured. Right. No, and I can imagine that that's, I mean, it's the music, you know, we don't have, they don't all have to be love songs to Jesus for them to be reflecting who you are as, as Christians, exactly, as Catholic, yeah. right? Um, maybe yeah. just in, in closing, because I know that you have a ton of songs, you record music, you have music videos. Is there, are there bigger plans here or, or is there going to be like some major album? Um, what, what are the plans for, for, the, for Rhythm and Grace in the years to come? Um, we, uh, we, we are in conversation with a music publisher mm-hmm. that makes music available for churches to subscribe to, mm-hmm. for, um, to, to use during mass. We, we, we have written a mass setting. Oh, nice. All well that we've used uh, at our parish for the past few years. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, we, we are launching, you know, a new um, music video very sh- soon that's uh, focused on vocations. It's called There is Joy. Um, and uh, basically, you know, the, the gist of the song is There is Joy in Serving the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, that we did in collaboration with uh, the uh, vocations director in our diocese. Mm-hmm. So that's exciting. First week of November. We'll be launching. We'll be launching that. Um, I must say, you know, we have two CDs, and we do have enough material for two more CDs already. Um, That's I, I just find I just find whenever I give the kids a little something to work on, I'm just, what they create is just just amazing. And so, um, you know, and the kids are growing up, and they'll be deciding to go off to school here and there. But the enthusiasm right down to our four and six year olds is, is really strong for the music. Mm-hmm. So I see it continuing in our family life for a long time. And then it'll be interesting to see how yeah. the kids sort of on an individual thing, take it further. So mm-hmm. it's, it's definitely a vocation yeah. within our, within our family, uh, within our family uh, journey Yes, um, that we just um, are thrilled to, to be on this journey. Absolutely. And it sounds like even though you might not have, firm plans that there's still a lot left to do and a lot more to come. So it's been really good having you both in the program, Alex Decato and Bethany. Um, thank you for telling us a little bit about not just your work and, and your music, but your family. I mean, what a great story. Um, so I hope our listeners are excited, Absolutely. as excited as I am, and that they'll check you guys out, your videos and your, your ministry and your music. Uh, so take care. Yes. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. God bless you. Bye. You can learn more about Rhythm and Grace at their website, rhythmandgracemusic.com. Here now to take us out is Rhythm and Grace with Hey Bale. I was hanging outside with my two-year-old brother, playing with a ball and stick. He looked at me in motion with his little chubby finger. It was time to pay the horses a visit. And then he saw it. He was in awe of it. Resting in the valley, it was a beautiful sight to behold. And then he saw it. He was in awe of it. Resting in the valley, it was a beautiful sight to behold. We're listening to Rhythm and Grace with Hay Bales. 
And that will bring us to the end of our program this week. Remember that you can always reach me via email, pedro at saltandlighttv.org, and also through Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just look for Deacon Pedro. And also remember that if you missed any part of the show today, you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light Hour programs at that same website, saltandlighttv.org slash podcast. And that's also where we post links to our artists or guests. Thank you for being with us today. Please continue to pray for the church and for each other and also to take care of each other. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been the Salt and Light Hour. You ran right for it. Then walked around him. Thumb in his mouth, he admired his discovery. He sized up that bale, then I helped him climb upon it. Contentment shone across his face. He made room for me, then held onto my arm, and I knew it was a moment of grace. The two of us just sat there and took in that valley. All we heard was nothing of wind. Until that bale was gone, we went back almost daily to enjoy the view together again and again. Oh, what a moment! For us two brothers.